So I believe that the principles that I'm going to share with you today is one really big thing. That's one really big question, okay? And this really kind of changed my life about three years ago. Uh, just this one big question, this one big principle in life. And I believe that if we do instill this in our hearts today, I believe that it can change trajectories of life. I believe that we can take God's word, put it in our lives, and everything be changed, okay? I, I believe that, and I know that to be true because it's been true in my life, and I see it all throughout Scripture. So I want us to look at Scripture, and you can open up um, Genesis 3 is where we're going to be in today. So, and, and I'm not afraid... Just so you know, not afraid. If you have a Bible on your, in your phone, that's okay too. Okay, I go old school. I go paper and pen. But if you have a Bible and it's on your phone, I am not scared that you will be distracted by it because we already talked about it. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But if you are on your phone, right, and you've got your Bible on your phone, here's my challenge for you, okay? In order for it not to be a distraction, maybe use it as a social media device even today. And as you're reading, I know they all have those little buttons you can push on it, little things you can say, send this on Facebook. And maybe today you get inspired and you say, man, this was the best lesson I ever heard by Nick Fisher, you know, and you just, uh, no, don't do that, but just, you are just inspired and something hits you today, put it out on social media. Use, gosh, use that social media for God's glory. It is so often, too often used for the crafty one. It is so often used for that. Let, today, let's use it for God's glory. You can use it on your phone. But we're going to be in Genesis 3, just a quick kind of synopsis. This is the creation of the world. If you've been in church for any amount of time, or even if you haven't, chances are you know this story. But just a quick kind of recap of what's happened God has created earth, sun, darkness, mankind, Adam and Eve, okay? He's set everything out and he has set a, a rule, okay? So he has Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, perfect relationship with the Lord, literally created Adam and Eve, created you and me head to toe for one purpose, and that's a relationship with him. Okay, that's how you were created. That's how they were created. And there's, they're sitting there in the garden. They have one rule. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's in the center of the garden. There is one thing. Just don't do that. Outside of that, have at it. You can create. You can, they can come up with animal names. You can do whatever you want. You can be inspired just don't do that thing. That's all. And, and so it, it seems simple, right? It's an easy thing. Let's read Genesis 3. We'll kind of catch up to, our, to Adam and Eve here and see how things go. So in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to read chapter 3, 1 through 7. And it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And the serpent is the devil. He is the evil one. He is the one who wants to distract he is the one who wants to take and destroy. He has no business being in our lives. Okay, but he is crafty and he is, he is um, slick. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, You may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. So she tells him, look, this is the one rule we have. We, we just can't eat that one. That's it. Everything else is, is, is fair game. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of, uh, eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, 
that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths. Eve was tricked. Adam followed suit right after. They had one simple path, one simple rule, one simple thing that God had asked them to do. He said, if you want to have a relationship with me, if we want to continue this, if you love this, this place, these rivers are flowing, you're able to create, you're able to have a relationship with me. It's literally what you were designed to do from head to toe. I created you for this. It's one thing. And I, and I even gave them rules. He said, look, you just can't eat of that. You can do whatever else you want. You just can't do that. And they decided that they knew better. They decided that they knew better than the creator of the universe, right? They, they said, you know what? I appreciate that, God. I like what you have set up. It's really nice. But I want that more than you. I want that tree. I want that fruit. I want that knowledge. I want that more than you. And then immediately, this is the crazy thing, and as we read into this scripture, you really get to see what sin does. And the the crazy thing is, I'm kind of repeating what we all know, right? I mean, that's the honest truth, is that when we read about Adam and Eve, we see that in our lives, because we know what sin does. But I want you to think about this, because these are the first time, these emotions that Adam and Eve are feeling are the first time these have ever been felt by any human ever. That literally God created us, created us in a perfect relationship with him to have no pain, no suffering, none of that. But immediately when they sinned, when they chose their way over God's way, something clicked. And I want to show you. And immediately their lives became completely unstable. And if I'm honest, if I'm me, and if I'm... If I know me in my heart, when I read these words and when I see that what Adam and Eve did, it's exactly what Nick does. It's just exactly how I tend to react to sin. See, they immediately reacted. They tried to cover up what others would see. I think it's super interesting that so they eat this fruit. And I don't know what it was. Everyone thinks, right, it's like an apple or it's, you know, whatever. I think it was like a kumquat. You know, whatever, it's this, this weird thing, whatever. It's a fruit, it's whatever God said, don't do that. They did it, right? So they took this fruit and they ate it. They didn't, it doesn't say in the Bible that they like threw it away trying to get rid of that sin or say, this was the problem, throw it away, get out of it. No, they immediately saw what was wrong with them and they tried to conceal themselves, right? It says that they took fig leaves, their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked and then they put clothes on. They concealed themselves. Immediately they saw what was wrong in their hearts, what was wrong with their bodies. It was, it was actually opposite of what they had done. It really had very little to do with taking that fruit and looking at that item and saying this was the problem. No, they took inward stock of themselves and said, what have we done? And I think, how, how real is that in my life? That when I choose my own way, that when I decide I know better than God, that when I say, no, you know, God, this is great what you've given me, family, church, new community. No, I'd rather do it my way. I'd rather have this than that. I'd rather look at this. I'd rather watch this. I'd rather have this than the things that 
you desired in my life. And immediately, it's not the thing, it's me. I begin to conceal myself, you know, I, I, and, and we're a lot more sophisticated, and I'm a lot more sophisticated than Adam and Eve, right? I don't put more clothes on, I just cover up with lies, right? We do this, where we convince ourselves that, well, they don't have to know. It'll just hurt them. Uh, everyone's doing it. I mean, I'm not as bad as this person, and we conceal, and we lie, and we sit in our chairs at church, and we wear the nicest clothes that we have so that nobody will see what's going on inside our hearts. And let me just tell you, that's what sin does. It isolates you. It conceals you. Sometimes the loneliest places you can be are sitting in the chairs where you're sitting, right? Where you feel like everyone else has it together. Everyone else has this amazing relationship with God except for me because I can't talk about this, Nick. You don't get it. She'll leave. I'll lose. I can't do it without. It's too big for me. Let me tell you, I get it. Because Adam and Eve got it. The reality is that when we take sin and put it in our heart, the only thing that it grows is more sin. No matter how much you conceal it, no matter how much you desire to get it, until we give it over to the Lord, until, and you'll see how we do this, but until you can get, take it out, the only way it the only thing it does is grow more sin. That's all that it will do. So let's keep reading here because there's some big things that come up and, and it, it, this sounds really hard, right? I mean, we're all sitting in these chairs going, wow, this guy, thanks for coming. Um, but we're, I really, this is super important. I mean, this is what life is, is about, right? I mean, this is the hard stuff. And I only say these things, and I only talk about this stuff because I have sat in those chairs with you. I, I, I do it on a daily basis, initially wanting to conceal, wanting to isolate, wanting to cover up. But it doesn't work. So let's keep reading into verse 8 and see, see what happens next. Okay, so they've concealed, they've covered up, and then they do something else even, even further. In verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord coming and walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, they even took it a step further, right? And we've seen this. I mean, I've done this. Where it, concealing is one thing, like not talking about it or, or just, just being able to say, you know what, that's me. That's, that's, that's the online Nick, right? That's not the public Nick. That's a different Nick. That I, and you kind of conceal that person. You put that person away. But the person that I show at church is, is this guy. He's, he's the good Nick. I want everyone to see this person. While this person is absolutely wreaking havoc emotionally, spiritually, in every single way in my life, in my family's life, in whatever way. Until soon, you begin to hide. 
you literally stop showing up, right? Part of the, part of the, part of the idea of just being at church, you, you stop doing that. You look for reasons not to be around people that you know are going to build you up. You, you begin to say, I'm just going to start hiding. Because I don't know how God's going to react. If I really am serious about getting this out in the open, if I really am serious about having a relationship with Jesus, if I really am serious about turning my life into something that is whole and real and 100% for God, I don't really know how he's going to react to this. Adam and Eve didn't really know how he was going to react to their sins. So what did they do? They went and found the tree and bushes that would cover them up, and they went and hid. And even though you might look great on the outside, God knows what's going on on the inside. And instead of running to God, I mean, can you imagine how different the story would have been if Adam and Eve had eaten that fruit, immediately realized and felt, oh my gosh, shame, what is this feeling? We're feeling this guilt. I can't believe we did this and went and looked, where is God? We need to find him. What have we done? We've messed up and just fallen on their face. Lord, forgive us. No, they did exactly what we do, right? They run the opposite direction. God, if, you just, if I just had enough time to figure this out, I know I can figure this out. You know, if, if, if I'm just not around people, I know I can figure this out. I can do this on my own. I, if I just hide from God for a little bit, I know I can get this. If I just immerse myself in work, if I just, you know, if it's about the kids, so I'm just, I'm just going to be in with the kids and I hide. We've all been there. Some of us are here right now because we just don't know how God's going to react. We've all determined, or some of us have determined, I'm just going to have to go with this one to the grave. So what do we do? I don't think that's the way any of us want to live. Two separate people hiding, covering up, concealing, lies on top of lies. I have to figure out how I'm going to, you know, how am I going to cover this one up now? Everything looks great on the outside, but on the inside, getting tore up. So what do we do? Well, I think there's also the answer here. Because just like Adam and Eve are about to experience what God did, they, they hear something. They're in the bushes, literally shuddering with fear, and then they hear something. And if it's like you and me, right, if it was God, if I was God, the something you would hear would be like this thunderous, what have you done, right? Are you kidding me? I gave you one rule. You couldn't do the one thing I asked you? Let's see how God reacts here in verse, <clears throat> I'm sorry, in verse 9. We're going to read verse 9 through 13. Let's see how God reacts and then how we react. It says, But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And then he said, I I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave me to be with, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. 
the blame shifting. Like I said, the stuff we know about this, right? You've seen this, you've heard this. This is a story that a lot of us are familiar with. But I want you to see one thing. God's reaction to his creation. Like I said, if it was me, there would have been some smiting and some smoting. There would have been laid waste on these people. How ungrateful can you possibly be? I gave you everything. I created you head to toe to have this relationship. And you decided you know better than me? You know, you're done. We'll start over. I'll get some better ones than you. You know what I mean? Like, this, was, this would be me. But this is not God. Praise the Lord it's not God. Because what God does is you can almost picture it, right? You can almost picture him walking in the cool of the day, right? And you know that Adam and Eve know that sound because they've literally had that communion with him. They've had that relationship where they've heard that sound before. They know his footsteps. They know what it's about. They're hiding. And you can almost picture God saying this question, where are you? Now let me ask you this. Does the creator of the universe know where they are? Yes, he, he knows exactly where they are. So why does he ask that question? He asked that question for Adam and Eve. You can almost picture him like kneeling down. Hey guys, where are you? Like when I play hide and seek with my kids and I know exactly where they are. Hey, where are you? He meets them exactly where they're at. Can I tell you today that God wants to meet you exactly where you're at? Now, let, do not be fooled. God met them exactly with compassion, 100%, and with truth, 100%. Because from that moment on, once sin had entered the garden, once sin had entered our hearts, that relationship became strained. The relationship between Adam and Eve was strained. Our relationship with, with God was strained. And it was work. It became hard. There was sacrifice. There were things. And you read, you can read the entire Old Testament and you can see God turning his face towards his people and his people turning their face away from God. Exactly the way we do it, right? Where we know God is full of compassion and he wants to turn his face to us, but then we turn our face away from him and say, no, I know better, God. I appreciate all you've done for me. Don't get me wrong, but I know better. And we see it time and time again throughout the Old Testament. The work, 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 work. Can I get there? I want to get there. I can do it on my own. I can get to God. Sacrifice, work, 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 work. Strain, 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 strain. Until there's one point. And this point is amazing. Because the buildup from this, that, that, that strained relationship that was begun here because sin entered our hearts, because we chose better, or because we thought we knew better, there had to be a sacrifice, and there was. There were continual sacrifices. If you read the Old Testament, you see how it was, these different sacrifices, different things, different ways to meet God. Until one person came on the scene, one descendant of Adam, one born of God, and his name was Jesus. And this man came and changed everything. This is the most important thing you're going to hear today. This is the most important thing you're going to hear in your life. So listen. Jesus came 
of God lived the, a holy and godly life without sin, was not restrained by sin, was never allowed sin into his life, and then he was sacrificed in death for you and for me. Because that is what was required. Because what the Bible tells us is the wages of sin is death. That what we get when we sin is we get death. So there had to be that substitute. Jesus Christ came, fulfilled that substitution in death. But the greatest part about this, the most amazing part about this story is that Jesus didn't stay dead. That what was prophesied about him years, hundreds of years beforehand was that he would raise again and that he would be seated with God in heaven. And that is exactly, if you read scripture and you read history, you see that this happened. That Jesus didn't come back and just say he was going to come back, but he came back and he saw hundreds of people on his return. And just so you know, just so you know that this book is not just some book that it is written that is historical and it is life-giving, that Jesus Christ came back and, and, and lived and ascended to heaven. And now he sits at he- in heaven with God. And it's a big word that you've probably heard before. But he sits on the right hand of God as our mediator. That literally when God asks the question now, where are you? God, or Jesus can say, he's with me. She's with me. And that changes everything. Because no longer... Do we have to be fixed to sin? No longer does sin have to have a grip on our lives. No longer do we have to hide. No longer do we have to conceal. No longer do we have to isolate. No longer do we have to have fear, loathing, pain. It does not have to be there. We can fall on the the sacrifice of Christ and say, that is where I stand. And today, you can have that. Romans 10.9 tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God rose him from the dead, it said the Bible says that you will be saved. What will you be saved from? You will be saved from that sin. And for someone in this room or for multiple people in this room or for maybe every single person in this room, you need to hear that for the first time. And no, because you have been, and I know it to be true because I was in a chair just like this when I was at church my sophomore year in high school. And God told me, he asked me that question when I was sitting in my chair. He said, where are you? And I couldn't answer him. Because I was hiding. Because I was concealing. Because I was a different person. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I died for him. I did the work. And it was in that moment that I believed Romans 10, 9, and I confessed with my mouth, and I believed in my heart. And everything hasn't been simple since then. Everything hasn't been easier. As a matter of fact, it's been more difficult. Because the reality is this is that when you become a part of, of God's family, the devil now who is crafty and sneaky, and he is a son of a gun. He wants you so bad. 
and he wants my wife and he wants my kids and he would love nothing more than to be distracted than for me to be distracted by by a different person by someone that I'm not so listen today do you know Jesus today? are you hiding? are you concealing? because today you can know him I'm actually going to give you an opportunity today. So begin. Think about this. Is today your day? Is today your day where you put a stake in the ground and say, today's a day I'm going to begin my journey with Christ. I'm tired of working and working and working and I can't get ahead. Is today your day that you're going to sacrifice your life and say, I believe in him. and I want him. I don't know everything, but what I do know is I need him. Think about that. Because maybe that's you today. Maybe when God says to you, where are you? You say, I have no idea. I have no idea. But what I do know is I need you and I want to start today. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting in this chair today and you know Jesus. You've begun that relationship with him. Just like Adam and Eve, right? I mean, just like Adam and Eve had a relationship with, with God, you had a relationship with the Lord. You, you've... you've You've sacrificed your life. You said, I want to be that. But like Adam and Eve, you have let sin into your life to the point of where you forgot what God's voice sounds like. Where you forgot what it means to have a sweet relationship with the Lord. And you're hiding. You're concealing. Can I just tell you, you're not the only one. This is, a, this is a struggle since the beginning of time. And when God says, where are you? How will you answer? How will you live your life? Is there anything right now in your life that requires God to be real. In other words, does your life make sense to the world or does your life make sense to God? How you spend your money, who you hang out with, how you spend your time. What does your life make sense to? That's a hard question to answer. And it's even more difficult when we know we're spending all this time covering up our sin, trying to make it work on our own. God, if you just give me enough time, if I just don't have to tell her, if I just don't have to tell him, if I can just get through this, I know on the other end I can do it. I promise, God, I promise I can do it. You can't. You can't. And we need God. We need Christ. We need that relationship and you know it. So can I just encourage you? Even though you might tell me, you say, Nick, man, you don't know what I would lose. You don't get it. I will tell you, you have no idea what you can gain. Today might be your day just to begin the journey of plucking out that sin. God's already forgiven you. He's already, Jesus has already done the work. But it might be today is to get real and to let some light shine in that heart. Let some light shine in that, in that 
soul and your family and how you deal with life. Perhaps you're there and you do say, man, Nick, I have, I have, this, I have a sweet relationship with the Lord. I do listen to him. I know his voice. I, I want to, I, I get in my word, and it makes sense, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm happy to live the life that God wants for me. Let me ask you this question. Is that true? Do you live for the Lord? I mean, I mean does, is there anything that when you look at your life, you know, when you look at the things that you're passionate about, are you doing the things that God has done put in your life that, that you say, man, I can do this better than I know a lot, than more people can. Like, I get excited when, when Adam talks about the prayer team. I get, I get excited. Doesn't everyone get excited about that? Oh, man, when the evangelism team is talking and they're excited about sharing their faith, man, I'm, I'm pumped about that. Doesn't anyone else? Like, let's, let's go. Let's do it. Oh, no, not everyone. Well, I guess not me either. There's youth that need to hear. There's, there's, there's people, coworkers. There's family members that you have a burden for, that maybe you've been concealing because no one else is excited about it as you are. Can I just ask you this question? What is it that God has made you unique for and what is he asking you to do? Where has he put you? Where do you work? Where do you go to school? Where is your neighbor? What's your neighborhood like? Where has he put you to leave a lasting impact and are you doing it? I think it's comical sometimes that we believe that the, the creator of the duckbill platypus and the giraffe would like want us just to be like normal, right? Like this is a creative God who has unique purposes for things and we believe that God just wants us to come in, put our time in on Sunday, come and listen to the speaker and leave. Nothing could be further from the truth. God has designed you you are great at something. You, are, you have a passion for things. And may, but just, maybe it's just your family, and you're like, man, I need to get in with my kids. I need to surround my kids. I want to be a part, whatever it is, what part of this church in a dynamic way. This city needs my Jesus. I don't know what it is for you, but are you living for it? Or have you become pedestrian? I mean, there's no other way to say it, and I'm sorry to say it that way. It seems kind of rude. Man, we could be missing the boat the whole time. Where are you living? What are you living for? Sometimes I fear (laughs) that fear of failure rules us, right? That fear of appearing prideful or being excited about something because we might step on some toes just kind of rules us. In my life, no more. I'll be honest with you. Three years ago, about, God called me to the toughest thing ever. For me. Just for me. And I was leaving ministry. But I knew it was right, and I knew it's what God was calling us to do. Can I just tell you that there was a lot of identity that I had wrapped up in that. Ministry had become my God. Is that weird? It's kind of weird, right? Like serving God became my God, right? Like, but in every way, shape, and form, I was a youth pastor, sacrificing my family on the altar of ministry. And God asked me to do the toughest thing that I've ever had to do, and that was leave. 
can I tell you? It's been hard. At the same time, it's been the best thing I've ever done because I know that God wants me here. I know that God wants me with my family, investing in my kids. I know that God has me at, at, at a job that I can talk to as many people as I want to. People literally call me and I can talk to them about Jesus. Outside of ministry. It's fantastic. I never would have known that had we not left full-time ministry. Is God calling you when he's asking you, where are you? Can you answer, I'm exactly where you want me to be? Or is there something that I think there is? Last thing. Maybe you're on that path. You're listening, you're moving with the Spirit, and you're even kind of doing what God has you passionately involved in. And you're like, man, this is fantastic. I, I do get it, Nick. I'm, I'm with you. I, if I could be on stage and tell people, I'd tell you right now, let's do it. Let me just ask you this question. Who are you taking with you? Is there anyone that you're taking alongside of you who needs to hear that same lesson? We were just up at Hume Lake this last week. My family and I go up with some of our family members. Some of the best times I have in my life are up there. But part of it is because we get to see thousands of kids getting their passion for the Lord. You know, they, some of them are coming, becoming saved. Some of them are in this same boat where they're like, man, I just, all I want to do is live for God. That's all I want to do. And we get to be up there part of that. And it's just so great. It's so fantastic. But as we're up there, we also see students who I know, because I've been up there with high school ministry, that I know when they come back down the mountain, life's going to hit them square between between the eyes. And they're going to falter because there's no one around to pick them up, right? There's no other adults around. There's no older man or older woman to come up under this young girl and a young boy who's just like, I don't know who to believe, my friends or God. And we have people in our pews who, who know, right? We know because we're doing it. And you might not have it all together and you might not be perfect, but you can take that one who has no idea and take them with you. Who's going with you? Because really, guys, I mean, honestly, right, Parkway, that's what we're here to do as a church. I mean, that's, that's it. Get as many people to love Jesus as possible. So Parkway, where are we? When it comes down to it, why are we here? Why are we on this corner of this street at this time of, the, of our lifetime in this city? I think it's for great things. I think it's for things. I mean, we've been here for three years, and I've never probably met more dynamic people who love Jesus and when I look around and I talk with you and I meet you, and I'm excited. I hope you are too. But we need to ask that question. Where are you? So we're going to pray. And I'm just going to give you that opportunity, okay? Ask that question, where are you? Maybe today you need to know who Jesus is. And today's your day. And you're like, I'm not going to take no for an answer today. I'm walking. I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to make it a, a little hard on you, right? I'm going to ask you to come up and talk with me. 
I'm going to ask you to come up, and, and I'm just, I just want to talk with you. I want to start that relationship with you. I want, to, I want to be there and let you know that I'll be with you. If you also want to come up, and we'll have a couple people up. Rachel, can you come up here too? Would that be fine if there's a lady who wants to talk? That's good. Okay, so Rachel will be up here to talk. If you're a lady and you just need to talk about something. You're like, I need to get this out. This sin needs to come out. God's already forgiven me, but I need to get it out. Be over here too. But if today's your day, if God has asked you, where are you? And you can answer, I want to be with you, then maybe today's your day. To take that step, ask God into your life. Maybe today's the day to get that sin out. I don't know what it is for you. But if today's your day, don't, don't let it go. Today might be your last day. God's done the work. Jesus has done the work for you. All you have to do is say thank you and start with him. We're going to go ahead and pray. We're going to uh, sing a song as well. During that song time, it's going to be called Jesus Paid It All. During that time, if you feel the need to come up and just want to talk with someone, now's your time. Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll sing. Heavenly Father, um, you have changed my life over and over again. Um, I pray that you would just begin journeys today, that you would plant seeds, that you would um, give opportunities, Lord. And, and today, God, it's not about who comes forward. It's not about God. You know, it's none of that, God. It's all about you. But God, we want to give the opportunity to start. So I pray, God, that your word would just fill our hearts that your spirit would fill this room, God, and that in all things, God, you would be glorified as we sing, as we know this to be true, God, and that Parkway would be a place where as many people as possible know you. In Jesus' name.